Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending September 3rd, 2022. This week, if NBC cut an hour of programming each night, would anyone notice? I'm Kim Hollis, no longer airing programming after 10 p.m. Just like Fox. <laughs> and this, somebody else. Do you announce out loud, this now concludes our broadcast day, and then you got to go to bed or something? <laughs> I do. That's okay. it. It's over. Okay. Also, Tim Bridey, content creator and gamer, celebrating 10 years of Oogie Loves. And if you know what that is, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of five people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, author of Disney Demystified, streaming media analyst, and ready for some fantasy football. To, to play it, not like to run leagues. So, Kim, you're in charge of those three drafts, okay? <laughs> okay. I, I just got put in charge of another one today. So, yeah. <laughs> and the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burriel, who needs us to get the let out. Come on, people. I've got this, then I've got six hours of editing, and then I got other stuff to do. All right. In our deep dive this week, we're seeing the twilight of traditional broadcast television. As we mentioned last week, NBC is exploring cutting back to only two hours of primetime television per night, like me. Now, Comcast, having already eliminated the NBCSN and Olympic Channel Networks, is rumored to be looking to make a billion dollars more in cost savings from their traditional networks, money they then shovel into Peacock. NBC is also moving ahead with their plan of putting their next day reruns of new shows on Peacock instead of Hulu. Yeah, this is a good example of how something can simultaneously be the right approach and the very, very wrong one. NBC should be cutting back on linear television, and I can prove it, oddly enough, with an HBO stack. According to Show Buzz Daily, 2.26 million people watched House of the Dragon on cable on Sunday, making it the number one program. However, Warner Brothers Discovery pushed out a press release bragging about the 10 million viewers for the show. So who are the other 7.74 million people? They're streamers, of course. I mean, there's people like you and me. Meanwhile, Kim and I checked earlier, we watch exactly one network television series at this point, and that's The Simpsons. Theoretically, we'd also add The Amazing Race, but we never watched last season, so I don't even know if that should count. Simply put, most people have switched permanently to streaming. Ten years ago, I posted on this very day that linear television was dying while talking about 10-plus shows we'd watched for the new network season that year. This season, we won't try any at all. So, NBC is right to cut back on linear, but they're at least five years too late on the strategy. As for Peacock, we knew this was coming, but it's like when the Super Bowl and Olympics were coming earlier this year. We viewed that as a critical juncture in the service's growth, but it failed to grow. If Peacock doesn't gain a substantial boost from the next day airings. I expect NBC Universal to start shopping the service within 18 months because it's just losing too much money. Last quarter, remember this, Peacock earned 444 million. Its total losses for the quarter were 467 million. It is literally losing more money than it's making. That cannot keep happening for Comcast because it currently lists on its ledger sheet debt of I'm not joking, $174.47 billion. Yes, if Jeff Bezos suddenly donated his entire personal wealth to Comcast, they'd still owe nearly $25 billion afterward. They broke. 
And Comcast is not the only studio that is sacrificing their traditional broadcasting for the sake of streaming. Warner Bros. Discovery is looking at putting HBO and HBO Max reruns on TBS and TNT, which clearly does not bode well for either of those two networks. The company doesn't know what to do with TBS and TNT other than hockey and basketball. These are their sports channels at this point. They have no original content, so they're going to just shovel reruns onto it because as was rumored when David Zasloff took over the company, apparently some folks at uh, Discovery didn't realize that all those second run reruns that were showing up on TBS and TNT, they don't own those shows and they'd have to pay to rerun those shows over and over again. And so it's a lot cheaper for them to just put their own reruns on there than somebody else's reruns. And- How could you not own something you're airing on your own television network? What? How does television work? Oh my God. It is sheer incompetence sheer incompetence. But then also let's remember that traditional shows like SWAT and Evil on CBS and Dancing with the Stars on ABC have also jumped from broadcast to streaming. It's the future at this point. It's got to be noted. And this was big news even on on national television and national news outlets last month that Nielsen's The Gage reported that in July, for the first time ever, more people watched streaming then broadcast. We have to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because that is also the month that Netflix premiered Stranger Things and basically blew streaming up. But I've been banging this drum for some time now. It's clear that broadcast is going away. And as we see now that theatrical is faltering and networks are reducing their fall schedules NBC does not have a single comedy on their television slate for the fall. It's crazy. As this is happening, we are entering this era. I read a headline somewhere, the era of blockbuster streaming, House of the Dragon on HBO and HBO Max, and the new Amazon series, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. These shows are going to bring in millions more people watching streaming than broadcast television. I know we've been saying it for a while. David posted it on social media 10 years ago. But yes, broadcast television is dead. But here's what I don't understand. How are we going to have this so-called era of blockbuster television if we've got Peacock and we've got HBO Max Discovery so broke that they're having to cut back everywhere they possibly can rather than actually doing new stuff? I mean, we talk about Peacock's new lineup every week, and it is so grim, it makes my teeth hurt. So I don't know how we get from here to there in a linear path at this point. That's what concerns me. There are alternatives, of course, to Peacock and HBO Max, although HBO Max knows a winner when they see one and they're doubling down on House of the Dragon. They're definitely going ahead with a new season and maybe three or four more seasons. Mind you, they've lost one of their showrunners. Something's going on there. Did they ask him to maybe cut back on their budget a little bit? I don't know. But yeah, you know, you absolutely know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Netflix, Disney, they are not scared to spend money. Netflix had a bad quarter a few months ago, but they're back in the saddle. They are spending tons. Disney is slated to spend tens of billions of dollars on original content again for the next year. They are going to be creating this blockbuster content to say nothing, of course, of Amazon, which once they see those uh, numbers for the Rings of Power, you can expect that they're going to be renewing it for a second, third, fourth season. That show is going to be around for a good long time. I also want to point out that Amazon is doing something that you'd think Peacock would be bright enough to do, but they're not. If you go to the front page of Amazon right now, you know, where they sell stuff 
for a living. It tries to start the new Lord of the Rings show for you. It has a giant splash screen that will one click take you to start watching the show. That's what you do when you're committed to something. I, I just checked and yeah, it just started playing the trailer. Like, <laughs> Yep. And earlier this week, as I was shopping at Amazon.com, there was a countdown right there at the top of that page telling me how many minutes left until the premiere. It's everywhere. Meanwhile, we can't pull up a Peacock schedule that actually lists new programming consistently at all. I am honestly surprised that anyone is still trying to save broadcast anymore. Next Star's moves to salvage the CW are, of course, self-preservation at this point. They are a local television affiliate company, and without the CW, they don't have content. But it really is fascinating in a kind of driving by a car wreck scenario here. With everyone moving even their live content to streaming and ramping up their ad sales, having to deal with local affiliates and cable and satellite provider carriage disputes. It just seems like something broadcasters don't want to do anymore, especially if it means having to share their revenue. Streaming is direct to consumer. Disney has a direct money line into your wallet. Amazon Prime has a direct feed into your wallet. HBO Max bills you directly. The only person who's getting any piece of this is the credit card companies. You don't have to deal with anybody else and anyone who's looking at the old model and saying that's a model that I need to have survive is just looking at this the wrong way. Moving to our rapid fire, Disney's just secured TV and streaming rights for cricket in India, just not those cricket rights. David, what's going on? Well, this is like the inverse of the Big Ten story we covered a couple of weeks ago. Basically, what happened was we famously discussed the IPL cricket rights and how important they are to Disney in maintaining subscriber numbers with the Hotstar service in India and also other parts of the subcontinent. And so what has happened is Disney realized past a certain point that they could only afford one of linear television or streaming television. And so they went cheap and they took the linear television. And by cheap, I mean they only spent $3 billion. So they did not get the streaming rights they needed to keep Hotstar populated. What have they done? They've turned around and gone, all right, what's the second biggest thing there? And they've realized that there is, you know, a Big Ten there to the SEC, a silver medalist that's a distant second, but with Disney's impressive marketing arm behind it, maybe, just maybe, they can start catching up. So Disney has gotten the cheaper license to it, and it's going to start streaming all that stuff. And I can go ahead and tell you right now, the future is going to be, suddenly that league is going to spend a lot more money on top-tier cricket players, and nobody's going to know where the money came from but it came from disney (laughs) and the bally sports streaming service bally sports plus finally has a launch date if you're a fan of the milwaukee bucks the anaheim ducks or the memphis grizzlies you'll be able to watch them here for 19 dollars 99 per month but only in specific markets hooray There's a few more teams than that, but not many. Uh, Five baseball teams, count them. 
five. And yes, all of them very, very small market teams that are not currently trying to win baseball oh, games. Just, just in time for the baseball season to end, too. <laughs> That's right. There's going to be like two weeks of it. Not even joking. Yeah. Valley Sports has like 19 regional sports networks. And so if you're in one of those 19 regions, then you get the sports package for whatever city you're in, like Cincinnati or Jacksonville or what have you. But uh, only possibly. As an example, Fox Sports South has all of the rights to the Atlanta Braves. However, Bally Sports Plus will not actually carry Atlanta Braves games. So, you know, God help you if you're trying to figure out how this works. And oh, what was the price again? $19.99 a month. Hmm. So for the course of five or six months, wouldn't it be cheaper just to go ahead and get MLB TV, which carries all of this? I have the pricing page for NBA.tv and NHL.tv open in front of me as well. This does not make sense because on top of everything else, remember this is specific markets. If you are a fan of, let's say, the Anaheim Ducks, but you don't live in Anaheim, you don't get to watch those games because you're out of market. But you can subscribe to NHL.tv for $49.99 for a full season. And then you'd get your Anaheim Ducks. You can subscribe to NBA.tv for a full season and get your Milwaukee Bucks for $59.99 a month. Or you can subscribe to ESPN Plus for $10 a month. Or you can combine all of these and somehow come out paying less than what Bally Sports wants you to pay. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump to the end of the page here. I am starting to suspect something with this strategy. I believe, and this is completely baseless speculation, I want to be clear. I think the next step in this is we're going to find out that you can get this for free if you sign up and spend a certain amount of money with some gambling service or another. I think that there's actually going to be a plan here that happens later where their monetization stream is not actually customers. But if this is the only plan, it is a failed bad plan that will not work. Do we all agree on that? Uh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally, the bundling has arrived as subscribers of Paramount Plus will now get Showtime included in the app. But it won't be free. If you sign up before October, you'll get an introductory offer of $7.99 a month with ads or $12.99 a month without ads. And that'll get you both Paramount Plus and Showtime. After that, prices go up to $11.99 and $14.99. I just checked. And as a current subscriber, I could add Showtime for $3 a month. I haven't been able to find the answer to the question I've got, which is we currently subscribe to Paramount Plus's ad-free service and we got six <laughs> months of Showtime for free. Kim had to jump through so many hoops for this. We got so it with, <laughs> with the Samsung television. We, they wanted to offer us the thing, but they did not actually want to give it to us. There was like no. screenshots and everything. It was an ordeal. But anyway, so we subscribed to both for at least the next six months. We have not been able to figure out how to combine the two <laughs> at all. And I, whenever I ask that I mean, question, people... People always go like, wait, you subscribe to Showtime? Really? So that's where we're at with this. All right. Uh, Tim, why don't you go ahead and take us into the ratings? 
Yep, we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, August 1st to Sunday, August 7th, 2022. And as I predicted last week, we do have some exciting new additions, and, but also the numbers in some cases are a little surprising. So let's see what we got. Your top show of the week is, of course, still Stranger Things, but just barely. Just barely, though. Another 1.4 billion minutes for its 34 episodes. My gosh. Yeah. You say no surprise. I have. To, you're you're going to get to it in a second, but the one that finishes third, I fully expected that's, to win. So yeah, I, I yeah. should. I yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't really say no surprise because we did expect something other, some other things to come in a little bit higher. But we'll we'll, we'll see. But yeah, Stranger Things is still fairly impressive. One point four billion for something that's you know been out for over a month now, even with the addition of those last last two episodes, just still absolutely crushing it. And I cannot wait for Netflix's next you know either subscriber numbers or earnings report because th- this had to have a extremely noticeable impact on their on their on their numbers uh second is virgin river so again not not a new show hmm. uh but right <laughs> right behind stranger things uh just under 1.4 billion minutes viewed for 42 episodes another show that we've we saw when the previous season came out and once again and then we'll completely forget about it when they have one more season and it shows up with another you know two billion minutes and <laughs> in the future uh but here we go here is something new in third this is sandman 11 episodes that arrived on the fifth um billion minutes so just a three-day number, but kind of expected better. And maybe our the people you know in our circle or you know a little on the nerdier side. So it was you know totally their <laughs> yeah. thing. But I think this is not for everyone. But I definitely did expect this to come in a little higher. Yeah, for sure. This is a pretty niche show if you think about it. There's not a lot of people who necessarily have read the books or love Neil Gaiman maybe the way that some of us do or know who Neil Gaiman is. So yeah, I I actually think a billion minutes for something as different as this show is, is pretty dang good. And I have to say that of the people who watch the show, I suspect a lot of them skewed much younger and probably watch it on mobile. Mm, true too. That's possible. And, and again, this is just a three-day number. There is a chance it takes a big jump next week to be the top show. It is, but I also think that we know it hasn't been renewed yet. And on top mm-hmm. of it not being renewed yet, Neil Gaiman has been desperately playing with people to finish watching the I, show. I've mentioned that before. Yeah. Let, let the episode or episodes play all the way through. And that's because that's one of the things Netflix looks at apparently. And so the fact that he's doing that tells me that it's not where anybody expected to be. And I have to say, this is probably 25 to 30% lower than I would have thought. I was thinking it would start in the one, two to one, four range and then hover there the following week. We'll know a lot more next week, but I'm really, really scared this isn't getting renewed. Yeah. Yeah. A month out. Still no no word. I know unless something is absolute a runaway train, we typically don't hear that quickly for renewal, especially from Netflix. But yeah, we, they probably are looking, even though they have all more data, we, they, we probably will wait, wait a few more weeks before we hear anything about a second season. Uh, we do have more new shows to come on the original chart this, this week, but next is Keep Breathing, a show we saw last week. 722 million minutes for a six episode season. Sure. Fine. Pretty good. But here is a new show in fifth, Uncoupled. 532 million minutes viewed for eight episodes. This is that uh, Neil Patrick Harris, I guess, sitcom, really. Yeah, he describes it as uh, a bit of a drama, a bit of a comedy. It actually arrived on the 29th. So this is actually the first full week of its availability. But these episodes were obviously very short. They were all about 27 to 31 minutes. So when you're able to make it onto a minutes viewed 
uh, list with that little amount of content, yeah, that's actually quite good. So I would expect this to see this uh, again or get, get a second season. I will say that if you were watching Netflix during this two week period, you couldn't miss it. It was heavily advertised. So they obviously wanted it to succeed. And you're absolutely right. I, I don't think we do a good enough job sometimes of quantifying the difference in an hour long show versus a shorter program. This is the equivalent of a billion minutes for an hour long show. And we shouldn't lose yeah, sight of that. Absolutely. Uh, something else new in six, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, three episode <laughs> documentary series, 504 million minutes. I am actually not surprised to see this here at all because I heard multiple people that I did too. don't know I do a podcast about streaming actually talk about it. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. did you did you see this show on Netflix about Woodstock 99? I remember when this happened and hearing some of the things that came out of it. As I said in the, the pre-show, it was this was a, in some cases, a literal poop show. <laughs> Uh, but just absolute epic disaster all around on multiple multiple fronts and just a horrific horrific mess of uh of an event and yeah i'm i'm not surprised that it's here uh, originals wraps up with some things we have seen before only murders in the building uh or nielsen once again spelling it only murders in the build 382 <laughs> million minutes for 17 episodes the only non-netflix show on the the originals chart this week by the way a couple more episodes to go uh and i think similar to when we saw it last season we'll we'll see it hang around till the end and then maybe one more week and then disappear until we get season three a show returning to the Chart is Longmire, 287 million minutes for 63 episodes. We've actually seen this before. They haven't had new episodes in a while. What's up with yeah, that? Yeah, why is it here? I was actually just double checking that, oh, oh, maybe some new episodes must have hit. And no, this the sixth season actually showed up in 2017. So uh, you got me. And actually, that, that was the final season of the show. <laughs> I suspect it has to do with the fact that there's just renewed interest because of Yellowstone. And I just want to say one of the fondest memories mm-hmm. of the last 20 years of my life was watching Longmire with my father before he died. He loved this show so much, so much. He was so happy he could binge watch it. So I will always have such a fondness for it. I also maybe wonder if it's one of those things where if we had more than 10 shows, we would see this hang around uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the next 10 to 15 shows. And every once in a while, it just makes, it, you know, if it's a, a light week in or a top heavy week. Yeah. 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 Or, or how the acquired list is always, you know, the same, you know, there's like seven or eight shows that are always there. So I wonder if this is just something that is rewatched regularly by, by its target audience. The Umbrella Academy in ninth, 274 million minutes. And wrapping up originals with also 274 million minutes, astoundingly, is Car Masters Rust to Riches. Okay, so in movies, uh, the winner this week, not what I was expecting, and we'll get to that, but it is something that we thought was still going to do well, and that is Lightyear from Disney Plus. 1.3 million minutes. How about that? Yeah. We still haven't watched it yet, and it's killing me. Um, Yep. But what do we think about this number? Looks good to me. I think it's very good. And also it underperformed at the box office. Mm-hmm. And I think we speculated at the time is viewers are now conditioned, especially since this was the first theatrical Pixar release in since the before times, they're now conditioned to just wait for it to show up on Disney Plus. And I think that's what may have happened here. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. People are thinking that when there's a Pixar film, they'll be able to watch it on Disney Plus. And they're right because it, it will come to the streamer pretty quickly. So why not wait? It arrived actually on the 3rd of August. So it did have most of the week, but that's still very, very good. 
I think that's, I think it's a terrific result. Yeah. Yep. And probably won't have the staying power of Encanto, which by the way, oh my God, not on the list this week. Holy cow. Why are there not headlines about this? What? Yes. But anyway, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. I actually literally just noticed that. Yeah, so the uh, correct answer for that was seven months was how long it would stay on the charts. Wow. Uh, still amazing. Yeah, pretty much from basically December to uh, late December to beginning of August. Yeah. Titanic uh, of streaming. By the way, the only Disney Plus entry on, on the movie's chart this week, which is just extra weird too. Yeah. Is later. Something else new in second, uh, a new arrival from a, th- a theatrical release, new, newly arrived on Netflix, Uncharted, uh, 1 billion minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, released I think, in- I think released that's in solid. Fe- yeah, yeah. It came out in theaters in, in February. Did pretty well. I'll go uh, so far as to say, I think that's exceptional. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we get- been a nerd to this and we take things for granted this was a very successful movie in theaters and frankly it's a match made in heaven that it's on netflix yeah uh, came out in theaters in february it made about 150 million domestically 400 million worldwide so yes definitely successful released actually to purchase in in the spring just a couple months after its theatrical release but just arrived on netflix on the fifth so just uh, also just a three-day number here so uh, we can see this one take a jump next week too yeah my uh parents uh, mentioned that they had had watched it well my mother told me they watched something that starred spider-man so i had to figure out exactly what it was and then because she couldn't remember the title and i figured out that it was uncharted and they said yes that's that's what it was i said okay that could be literally anything at this point was, they yes Spider-Man. yes th- yes <laughs> it could it, it could have been a different spider-man too for all for all i know but fortunately it was uncharted starring tom holland I mentioned that it was a video game series and they, they they did not care. But yeah, that's actually very solid. Third, Purple Hearts. We saw this last week, 828 million minutes. So yeah, doing very well for something just utterly ridiculous. But here's where I'm very disappointed. And though I think there's an explanation. Uh, this is Prey from Hulu, 585 hmm. million minutes. That is perhaps a little surprising, but I'm interested to hear your theory. I have one. Yeah, well, two reasons is, as we know, Netflix has a considerably bigger footprint in these ratings as opposed to the other streaming services. Yeah, we do get, you know, the big hits from the others, from Disney Plus, from Hulu, from Amazon, and now HBO Max as well. So I think that's a good deal of it. But the other thing is, I think this actually is a big word of mouth hit too. And I think it will take a jump next week and perhaps show some, you know, quote legs for, mm-hmm. for a streaming movie. So that, those are my two, my two theories for this number, especially since Hulu was definitely uh, shouting that it was, you know, one of their most watched uh, films ever. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that most people are probably like me and like, oh, it's another Predator. A predator film. sequel? Really? Yeah, in seriously. Like, what? what year is it? And then, yeah. Yeah, the and then like, this all is of a ma- sudden, it's yeah. a good movie. Okay, yeah. well, we'll check this out. So I, I think you're, I think we've got, it's going to build some steam. Yeah, I was exactly the same. I, I'd been so down on Predator sequels at this point. I had absolutely no interest in this one, but with the word of mouth, I figured I'd check it out then. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yep. Also arrived on August 5th. So just a, a three day number. So I think this will be a, a grower. Won't, won't mm-hmm. totally crush it in the numbers like we would expect. But again, it's just, it's just how Nielsen tracks these, these numbers. It happens to have to be watched basically on a television on Hulu and not on a, a second screen or a, or, or a computer. And I think that that's limiting non-Netflix shows in a, in a lot of cases. And un- unrelatedly, I got an email this week stating that the television that I put my 
Hulu account in uh, at my parents' house, I will no longer be able to play Hulu in a couple of months. <laughs> and it's not even, it's only, a, it's only a few years old too, that television. <laughs> so uh, that, that's a whole other discussion for another time, but I just found that interesting, but they did give me a month's credit. So yeah, thanks. Thanks, Disney. Okay. All right. Uh, and fifth is The Gray Man, the now definite disappointment from mm-hmm. Netflix for 200 million bucks for 561 million minutes viewed this week. Uh, Sing 2 in 6, 386 million minutes. And then some new stuff with an explanation. Uh, as you notice, it's now the beginning of August. So some of these things returned to returned to Netflix, including the movie in 7th, The Age of Adeline, the 2015 movie starring Blake Lively, 378 million minutes. It's a touching love story about her and Harrison Ford. Yes, I'm serious. <laughs> All right, see, this is a little interesting too, because the movie... In eighth, it's credited to Hulu, and it may very well be on there, but it also did return to Netflix on August 1st. Tower Heist. Yes, Mm. the 2011 comedy starring Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller. Well, huh. Yeah, 347 million minutes. It wasn't a good movie at all, but it did have a really memorable joke about the maid turning rogue that made the trailer really, really entertaining. (laughs) Forgot about that, but now I might might have to go look it up later. We really can't count on Nielsen getting the details right. Almost every week we see something weird. (laughs) And in fact, this week we saw something weird because when they mentioned that Sandman had made the ratings at number three, they listed 11 episodes. Anyone who watched Sandman upon its initial premiere will realize that it was only 10 episodes. And then an 11th episode was released uh, like three weeks afterwards. And so there were not 11 episodes when Sandman and hit the ratings initially. Nielsen just doesn't seem to care about the details. They're just, yeah, when it came time to make this ratings chart, they just, like I did, probably just pulled up Wikipedia, entered in Sandman, saw it said, had 11 episodes, and okay, good, go for it, and put that that many number of episodes. But yeah, they're going full Stranger Things with multiple series now where uh, they're releasing like a bonus episode or a finale, finale episode just a couple weeks after the release of the original season. And again, that's another discussion for her another time. Yeah. Look, we should be honest about the fact that Nielsen doing re- ratings is like a child being forced to have its vegetables before it gets dessert. The people in charge who do the money, who are Nielsen's clients, are making them do this. It is not a willingness thing. So they're just achieving the bare minimum. But we cover it each week because the bare minimum is night and day more than we would get otherwise. Because, folks, we look at other metrics and Raul will tell you because I send him all of them. They're (laughs) comically kept. I mean, comically (laughs) We're all extremely busy people. And let me tell you, we still sometimes talk about doing our own metrics because the other ones out there, we know we can beat with minimal effort. I mean, it's that bad. It's why you ran a box office site for you know 20 years. It really is. I got tired of seeing so much crap analysis. And you'll notice it didn't take long for people to start interviewing us because it seemed like we knew what we were doing and everyone else didn't. Nothing has changed. History is just repeating itself in a new format for consumption of media. Yes. Please notice us, people with money. <laughs> More new content, well, quote, new content in ninth, Men in Black 3, 333 million minutes. New all content? What year is I, this? All three Men in Black films returned to Netflix on August 1st. So, of course, mm-hmm. they watched the third one. No, why not? That's I mean, the one you I, want to start with. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know it has, you know, Josh Brolin doing that 
absolutely you know dead on Tommy Lee Jones impression, but that's about the only thing that has going for it. At least the first one's actually pretty good. I don't remember the second. I don't know if I actually ever saw it, but <laughs> yeah. So these are this this is what I'm talking now with the benefit of the full week. This is the returning to Netflix content that they promoted and people viewed. Uh, but we do have something intense to wrap up movies. This is actually new. This is 13 Lives from Amazon Prime. It arrived on the 5th with 323 million minutes viewed. It is a film based on a cave rescue from a real event in 2018. Right. Yeah, that's the uh, it's actually the MGM movie directed by Ron Howard. Oh, yeah. Uh, starring Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, Joel Egerton, Tom Bateman. Yep. And uh, actually got pos- pretty generally positively reviewed, but uh, enough people, more enough people were checked it out on uh, Amazon and it landed here. Yeah. I think we could start expecting to see more of this going on now that Amazon owns MGM. Mm, okay. Yeah. As they start leveraging their, their cinematic branch, maybe they'll start putting up more cinematic quality movies onto their streaming service. Acquired is 10 shows we have seen before, once again led by Coco Melon, 741 million minutes viewed. Nothing much interesting to report this week, though we do have Friends and Big Bang Theory from HBO Max and not Game of Thrones. Gilmore Girls uh, pops in again. Yeah, that's the thing. Gilmore Girls wasn't listed for a while, and now suddenly it's got 383 million minutes. The random variation on the viewing patterns is another reason why we suspect that Nilsson misses a lot. I just don't think there could be that much standard deviation on these things do you tim yeah that that is always weird when a show we don't see for a while all of a sudden returns with a solid number so it's definitely something in their extrapolation that is creating this inaccuracy because yeah these these numbers vary wildly like said last week we we didn't see friends but it here it is back in fourth 41 million minutes like what the heck but uh, yeah, that's acquired not much to, to talk about, but it was a fairly interesting slash exciting week for some new releases and new shows and, and movies. I think we are looking forward to see where Sandman goes with mm-hmm. with, with the full week. I'm, I'm interested in Lightyear staying power too, and to see if uh, we are correct in our expectation that Prey benefits from word of mouth. So that's what I'm yeah. looking forward to next week. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. In our green lights and cancellations this week, Netflix has broken their silence on their Beverly Hills Cop sequel as Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Taylor Page will be joining Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. I'm sure it'll be as successful as coming to America. (laughs) I bet Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays a tight ass who eventually comes around to Eddie Murphy's way of things. (laughs) Over at HBO Max, renewals are rare these days, but the animated series Harley Quinn is bucking the trend, getting renewed for a fourth season. As Kite Man would say, (laughs) hell yeah! Hell yeah! (laughs) There would have been riots had this gotten the axe, Mm -hmm. just like almost every other HBO Max Mm -hmm. series. (laughs) But especially after this week, we are super fans of this. We are fanatical about it. And I can tell you the most recent episode was some of the most groundbreaking stuff WB has ever done. At one point, Harley Quinn and Batman were working together and you just realized, holy crap, if this were a movie, I would watch it opening day three times. Yes, absolutely. We are thrilled. Over at Peacock, the Ed Helms comedy Rutherford Falls is done after two seasons. 
Mr. and Mrs. Helms will be disappointed, but when even his mom <laughs> stopped watching halfway through season two, they were in trouble. <laughs> All right. As always, we close out with what has been keeping us busy over the last week. And for me, it was Happier with Gretchen Rubin. I have been a longtime listener of this podcast with Rubin, author of books like the Happiness Project, The Four Tendencies, and Better Before, and her sister, Elizabeth Craft, showrunner of the newest iteration of Fantasy Island, and writer for past shows like Angel, Dollhouse, and The Shield. The show just offers a lot of fantastic life hacks and things to try not only to be happier, but also to be a better version of yourself. And I'm all about just trying to be a better person. So she's like a self-help guru and her sister is a television showrunner and they do this together? They do it together. Yeah, it's very cool. Her sister has a, a writing partner and and showrunner partner that also they also have a show called Happier in Hollywood and they just talk about some of their experiences and some of the things they do to try to have happier lives in Hollywood. Okay. Which is interesting. All right. How about you, Raul? Well, I binged all of FX's The Bear on Hulu last week. I think a lot of the appeal of this show actually hinges on star Jeremy Allen White, who previously appeared on Showtime's Shameless. Here, he plays a hotshot world-renowned chef who leaves his career working in Michelin star restaurants to take over his brother's food joint in Chicago after his brother's death. White is a uh, strange mix of of goofy looking yet hot and his acting really carries a show. A couple of the supporting characters are exceptionally unpleasant and actively make me not want to watch the show. The cooking elements are incredible though. Watching him assemble a sandwich, which you know is going to blow everyone away is a highlight, but there's constant scenes of self-destructive drama among multiple characters that make it so that anyone wanting to watch a show about a chef being a chef and doing chef things is going to get turned off. There's only eight episodes and they're relatively short, so it's not really a heavy lift if you do want to catch that first season, but I'm not really interested enough to want to come back for another season. I'll just be wondering the whole time, how are they going to screw things up this time? Yeah, he's uh, he certainly got a lot of buzz after this show. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Tim, how about you? Well, as when I've not been talking, uh, I've been actually opening booster packs of the <laughs> newest Magic the Gathering set, Dominaria United, which actually the pre-release was just uh, today. So I, I stopped by the local shop, picked up uh, a box on uh, to, to bring home, and I am not entirely thrilled with the direction the game has taken over the last couple years. The organic format commander that just arose from casual play has basically become the primary design outlet now for the game so they purposely make cards for this format when it used to be a mainly you know two you know, you know one versus one game where, where, where there was a competitive was a competitive environment now it's all casual things for for this format and it, it's got i think the bad actually outweighs the good with that they've decided to do that but it's still a very fun and enjoyable game i haven't set my sights on any cards from uh from this set yet but uh i am just enjoying do enjoy opening packs hoping to find some interesting cards sell the ones I don't need as uh, on the side and and maybe get back into playing it on online again. I actually haven't checked into Magic Arena in a very long time, but I, mm. I may I may pop into it again if I have if I have a chance, especially since this set release coincides with the format rotation. So there's you know cards you can't play in certain formats anymore. I have no idea what any of that is, but did you get any rares? 
Oh yeah, several. All right. Yeah. All the matters when opening these things. Ooh, okay. Yes. Just, <laughs> That's just, great. Just just got a yes, just got probably the most expensive card in the set. So yes, we're doing Oh that. really? Yes. Nice. <laughs> and Tim, what was that name again? Dominaria United. And in what tier of English soccer do they play? <laughs> <laughs> I believe they're actually playing Wrexham next week. Same <laughs> <laughs> through my head, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, David, how about you? All right, Kim, what is the only day of the week that you can guarantee we will watch television? (laughs) That would be Thursday. And why is that, Kim? There's there's a bunch of awesome things on Thursdays. (laughs) We're recording this on Friday, which means I'm within 24 hours of the afterglow. And I have to say that was one of the greatest days of television ever because there was a new Star (laughs) Trek Lower Decks, a new She-Hulk, and a new Harley Quinn And every one of them was like right at the very top of the show. Now, She-Hulk, there's only been three episodes so far, so you might not get excited, but it was actually a perfect 10 episode, legitimately. And I think it was the worst of the three. I really do. I mean, I (laughs) loved it. I loved it. And yet it got beat at least once, if not twice. The Harley Quinn is the pinnacle of that series thus far and possibly anything involving Batman in animation ever. It was every criticism and thought I've ever ever had of the entire DC franchise combined into one tight 22 minute ridiculous story. I loved everything about it. And I have to say that I know there was some Hobbit crap on yesterday also, and people probably watched that, but you have to trust me on this. Star Trek Lower Decks and Harley Quinn are much washed programs. And so far, I think that She-Hulk has found its tone. And if it's like this the rest of the way, it's going to be brilliant. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.